you Lord not because of what we have done but because of your goodness God you are so worthy God so worthy Lord Jesus you are worthy to receive all the honor all the glory just praise your name this morning Jesus regardless of how we feel regardless of what things seem like we praise your name God we trust in you yes we trust your name Jesus we trust in your goodness we trust in the promises of your word Jesus I'm gonna sing Till my heart starts changing Oh, I'm gonna worship Till I mean every word Cause the way I feel And the fear you're facing Doesn't change who you are Or what you deserve I give you my worship you still deserve it. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy of my song. I'll pour out your praises in blessing and breaking. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy of my song. Yes, you are. You're always worthy. Like my king is risen Gonna preach to my soul That you've already won And even though I can't see it I'm gonna keep believing That every promise you made Is as good as done I give you my worship Sing and break it. You're worthy. Yes, you're worthy. You're worthy of my song. You're worthy. So worthy. Jesus, you're worthy of my song. You're worthy. You're worthy. Jesus, you're worthy of my song. You're worthy. You're worthy. Jesus, you're worthy of my song. You are worthy If you say yes or no or wait You are worthy 
Through it all I choose to say You are worthy I'll never stop singing your praise I'll never stop singing your praise In the blessing and the pain You are worthy If you say yes or no away You are worthy Through it all I choose to say You are worthy I'll never stop singing your praise I'll never stop singing your praise When I finally see your face I cry For from you 
And to you are all things. You deserve the glory. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. We bless your holy name. Thank you. He deserves our praise for all that he does. How many of you know he deserves our praise even if he never did nothing? Never did anything for us in our life. He's the holy God, creator of the universe, all that is. He deserves our praise for just being awesome. Amen? Amen. Um, Okay, y'all go ahead and be seated. But now our offering time is kind of any time you feel feel led to, but I'm going to... So the buckets are here, the green boxes, give online. But this morning I asked for Greg to come and share with us about um, giving. And I'm going, come on. Um, and I'm just not going to say anything else. But part of me wants to. Go and come on up here so we can. But I'm, I've asked him to share with you. And then I'll come do announcements. Well, good morning. Pastor Steve asked me this, I was kind of uh, a little bit perplexed at what I would share, but I'll just uh, go with what the definition says, but this is not true, so I just want to share this with you. It says, tithe, one-tenth of annual produce or earnings formally taken as a tax for the support of the church and clergy. Well, it's not a tax. The Lord provides for us blessings. And so we can give back and we don't want to put any pressure on anyone on what you give or anything like that. But for me, I tithe because over and over he has proven to me that he will always bless me. And I want to share with you guys um, one time, um, it's been several years ago, it was before that they made you escrow in your taxes on your, on your houses. Um, I was working for a company. We had a, a contract with ONG. And um, we lost our contract right before Christmas. So I was out of a job. Our property taxes were due at that time. And uh, I had a choice. I could either continue to tithe and be faithful that some way, somehow provision was going to be made or I could have just not tithed and I chose to tithe and I was at a, another former church that I went to before here before this church was even established and um, I was in Sunday school one day and right after Sunday school we were getting ready to go into the main worship and, and the pastor there walked up to me and said um, someone told me that you needed this and um, I didn't think anything of it. It was an envelope. And he said, they want you to open it and see what it is. And so I opened it up and it was $500 in cash. Paid my property taxes and put money towards my Christmas. So I'm just telling you, if you don't believe that your tithe matters, put it to the test and see. It doesn't make sense how whether you give 10% and you keep 90 or whatever percentage you decide to give and keep. In our mathematical mind, it doesn't make sense, but you will always have more if you give 
than what you ever thought you would. So, thank you. Thank you, Greg, for sharing that. There's countless stories like that. Um, in a life group, lead, uh, life group meeting, my mom felt led to help people establish there'd been a message on God blessing the storehouse. So my mom went and got, she had carried, don't, I probably shouldn't put this online, but she carries cash around a lot. And she's, uh, so she goes and pulls some cash out and she said, I feel led for, to help anybody that doesn't have a storehouse, that doesn't have a savings account already, feel led to help you start that. And so she gave everybody, she gave everybody that asked for it a hundred dollar bill. She gave out five $100 bills during that meeting for people that were going to start their storehouse. And um, the next week, in, in the attic, she found an envelope from Y2K that had $5,000 in it. So in a week, you know, she increased it 10 times. So um, there's countless, countless stories like that. Pam and I have, have experienced just finding money in our car seat with our car locked and don't know, even know how they got it in there, but um, found an envelope full of cash in it one time at a time that we were needing. And when we were tithing and trying to give what we were supposed to, sometimes just like Greg said, when it doesn't make sense. So we talk about tithing and talk about giving. And sometimes I think, I think it helps to know the stories behind those things. So I wanted to share that with you this morning. Thank you, Greg. Okay, we've got a couple of announcements. More than a couple, you know that, right? Um, kids 10 to 14, our pre-youth group is meeting this afternoon at 6, 6 o'clock. Um, community Thanksgiving is tonight at 5, what? It's right there. How cool. Um, And it's at uh, First Southern Baptist, Southern Baptist Church. Okay, it's over there on 15th. If you go out the front door and look over that way, you can see the steeple from that that church. Um, It is is our Ministerial Alliance annual Thanksgiving service. And um, we have the greatest Ministerial Alliance. That's That's a voluntary group of churches that that agree together to do ministry in the community. We do a lot of things. So I'd encourage you to go to that if you can. There'll be no Wednesday service this week and Operation Christmas Child, those boxes are due today. But if you call Pam and me by um, any time today, we'll try to help get that taken care of. Uh, They have to be turned into uh, First Baptist early in the morning. All right. Um, I think that's all I have for today. I want you to take five minutes and we'll be back from, for an awesome word from our pastor, Pastor Steve. If y'all are out there in the foyer, come on in. So this week is Thanksgiving. Turkey Day. That used to mean one thing um, when I was growing up. Um, when I was growing up, Texas A&M played that uh, that team, you know, um, on on actually on Thanksgiving Day. It was a big one, and then when the, all the conference split up stuff happened, we didn't we don't play that game anymore. But we still have about beaten. We call them TU, 
because the University of Texas is actually Texas A&M. That's the University of Texas. Unless you go to Baylor, and then it's the University of Texas, which is T-H-E-E, the <laughs> university. Okay, I digress. Thanksgiving. Um, I, I never know how to get started, y'all. Because <laughs> um, the Lord kind of gives these things to me in, in ways that uh, are, are different. So, um, in uh, the Apostle Paul, which... The Apostle Paul wrote most of the New Testament. Um, One of the leaders in the early church, along with Peter and John. um, I'm just going to read off. When he said, I thank my God at the beginning of almost every letter that he wrote to all the different churches. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. He, th- uh, he says in 1 Corinthians, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which is given to you by Christ Jesus. That you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. So that you came short in no gift eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end. So Paul was thankful for the demonstration of the gospel in the lives of the Corinthian church. Then to the Philippians, he said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with all joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. That that his... Fellowship in the gospel would continue. That as the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus was spreading all over, he prayed that it would continue. And he said, being confident in this very thing, that he who had begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. That's in Philippians chapter 1, kind of in his introduction to the letter. Uh, he said in, to, in the letter to the first Thessalonians, to the Thessalonian church, for this reason we also thank God without ceasing... Because when you received the word of God, which you've heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. All of that's still true today. Um, And the reason why uh, Paul was thankful was because of the work of the gospel. Just simply that. Um, 2 Thessalonians says... We are bound to thank God always for your brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of everyone, every one of you all abounds towards each other. That's a miracle in the church, right? That the love abounds towards each other, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and your faith. So they were an example that Paul talked about to all the churches that he wrote to. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful putting me into the ministry although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Um, so God, he thanks God for the gospel at work in his own life. I mean, he talks about how bad he was before. Um, 
That was in 1 Timothy when he wrote to his son in, in the ministry. In 2 Timothy, he said, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day. Greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, Timothy, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. A lot of us, the gospel, um, the gospel impact on our lives is because of our parents, grandparents, and all that. So, um, that is a source of thankfulness. Like we talked about praising God for not just for things He's done, but because of who He is. Um, all, I believe all that fits together and God means for us to, to, um, to recognize that this morning. Um, so we can either be thankful and praise Him and be open about it or we, we can be quiet about it. About it. And I think that that's... Uh, that's a debate going on in our lives when we see people deconstructing their faith and things like that as a result of the culture and, and, and falling in line with an idea that somehow it, uh, the gospel is hurtful, uh, that it is, uh, and I, I won't argue that the church hasn't been hurtful at times through the years, and um, as long as we are driven by the gospel itself, that God loves the world. And the reason why Jesus came wasn't to bring condemnation on anybody. This is John 3, 16 and 17. But to bring salvation, that, that people would be saved as a result of their faith. So, I've been, I've been thinking a lot about a video that's been going around for a couple of weeks. Um, and it was an interview that Kat Von D did with a con- very conservative Christian podcaster. Um, you might have seen that. You might also uh, just um, a month or two months ago, something like that, seen uh, uh, the video of the bab- her baptism in a very conservative Christian church. I mean, I would say old-fashioned. They still sing hymns and have a giant pipe organ and all that kind of stuff. Um, raise your hand if you know who Kat Von D is. Okay. She is a tattoo artist that was um, on L.A. Inc. Is that right? She was on L.A. Inc., the TV show, for a period of years. And I think she was only on it for a couple of years and got kicked off because she, she got in an argument with somebody about some stuff that was going on. She um, was an, a partaker of the occult. Um, she practiced a kind of a witchcraft. Um, all, these, all the different new age things that you can think of, like transcendental meditation. She... Um, Grew up in a conservative Christian home. Her parents were missionaries from South America, and they they were missionaries in Mexico. 
And um, I don't know what's wrong with my, my blue jeans this morning, but they keep getting under the heels of my boots. Um, sorry. Y'all know me, squirrel. Um, her parents were missionaries in Mexico, which is where she ended up being born. And so she grew up in the church, but she went way, way far away from it. Um, was involved in crazy stuff. Her house, I think she had a black swimming pool. Her house was all painted black inside, uh, and which was an indication of her life kind of in general, that it was very dark, very, I mean, dark arts and all those kind of things. And uh, not, I mean, there are a lot of people with tattoos that they live fully in the light. Uh, I, the tattoos wasn't a deal, but that was one of her, her um, attempts to be on the edge of things, I believe. You know, used to, used to if you wanted to kind of be edgy, think about all the things you did, the things you did to be edgy. Uh, Dale, you took, the, you took the muffler off of your car and you put glass packs on it, or uh, not car, pickup, I'm sorry. Uh, um, the things you did to be edgy was grow your hair long. That's one of the things I did, grow my hair long. Just FYI, the, if the electricity goes out, don't freak out. Just hold on. We'll come back. Um, uh, but there, there's lightning going on, so we might lose the power. Where was I? Oh, yeah, being edgy. Uh, I grew my hair long. Um, you could uh, have your shirt tail out. I mean, that, that was being edgy back in the day, you know? So, uh, and now there's not a single preacher probably preaching anywhere within a uh, 2,000 miles of where I am that has his shirt tail tucked in. Um, that's how far I do. I, it's kind of weird. It's, it's my Western look. <laughs> so um, I blame Courtney for this because I bought these, I bought these pants for her wedding. So, um, and I got this new shirt. Sorry, I digress again. Edgy. Then it got to be where if you kept your shoes untied, that was being edgy. Was, were you a young person, Dre, when t- shoes untied was a deal? Y'all did that when you were young? Okay. Um, that was way past my younger days. Um, there, all the things that you did to be edgy. Um, long hair when I was a kid. Um, about 10 years later, having short hair was edgy. You know, when I grew up, kid, why don't you get a haircut? Um, at 10 years later, it was, kid, what did you get a haircut for? Because um, that was what being edgy was. Uh, get, getting tattoos was being edgy. Getting pierced, whatever, that's being edgy. Now there's almost no edgy. I mean, uh, I, and I think some of the gender stuff may be an attempt for that thing to, to, to be exercised. There are just all kinds of ways that we keep pushing to be edgy. Well, Kat Von D, her deal for being edgy was witchcraft, the occult, all this kind of and very anti-Christian thing going on. And she said she got to a place where she just realized that she was not a happy person. And what did she do? She found a Bible. 
And the power of the gospel, (laughs) sorry if I get emotional, but I think we forget the power of the gospel to change lives, to absolutely change a person's life. And we, in the circles that we operate in, we talk a lot about healing. And so the change in our physical bodies, but the change in our emotions and our soulish realm, our, our thoughts and our emotions and what we believe, it can totally change as a result of the gospel. And that's, that's what happened to her. I would encourage you to look, go on YouTube and look, just uh, look for Kat Von D, K, uh, Kat with a K, K-A-T-V-O-N-D. And she took that name because her, her last name is Von D, or something like that. Um, some German name that nobody can pronounce and literally a friend's, Started calling her Von D, and so that's name stuck. Google that, look it up on YouTube, and check this thing out. It's an hour, and it's worth your time because um, you can see the power of God at work in the life of somebody who was living a what most well she would say an unchristian life, not unchristian, um, anti-Christian essentially. And the impact of that nowadays is something I don't think that we can discount um, because I think that there is a, a, um, um, there's a current, almost a dominant current of kind of an anti-Christianity, even amongst Christians, (laughs) Um, because of some ideas that we have, uh, especially with a conservative kind of Christian thought. Um, In fact, um, Christian conservative has become a label in the culture that we live in that is almost as pejorative, as um, negative as calling somebody a witch was in the 17, 16, 17, 1800s. Uh, no, 16, 1700s. That calling somebody a witch or something like that and, and all, the, all the ideas that went along with that, that if you call someone a conservative Christian, in the general culture these days has some negative impact, uh, negative ideas attached to it uh, that like that you're all kind of like a bigot or um, uh, some, kind, uh, some kind of hateful kind of person. Pam, that doesn't help when you make that face out. She's going, okay, sorry, under the bus. Paul said, and this is something that I, that I think is a, maybe impacting our culture today in a way that hasn't before, but you've got to put Paul in the context that he was living in in that first century of the church. So in the, you know, the 35, 40, 45 AD, up to 50, 60, Paul is writing these letters. And he is in missionary journeys throughout the Roman Empire. 
Sorry, I've got to do a little history here with y'all. The, so the Babylonian Empire, the Assyrian Empire, they've all impacted uh, Israel. And, it, and I, I need to remind you, the Israel that we talk about from the Old Testament and the New Testament is the same Israel that you're seeing on the news every morning lately. It's the exact same Israel. The funny thing is, now 3,000, 2,000 years later, the exact same thing is going on there. Exact same thing. So, Paul is ministering throughout. So, since we're all familiar with the map nowadays because of the nightly news, he's on that east side of the Mediterranean where Israel is all on that east end of it, right? It's a long, long oval. And going north and west from there over towards Rome. And he's been all in what was known then as Asia and, and ministering in those places. In a culture that is, I mean the Romans technically are the government. But Greek ideas still reign supreme. There's a saying that, um, that, Captive Greece led Roman captive. That Rome was still captivated. They were almost enslaved by ideas of the Greeks from a few hundred years earlier. That the impact of the Greek empire still reigned supreme. All the, from the religious beliefs that they had, all the gods of the, Israel, of the Greeks, all the gods of the Greeks, that you're familiar with from your study in high school and things like that. The same gods, the Romans just renamed them all. Gave them Roman names for everything. But it's the exact same system. So Rome's religious system is even adopted from the Greeks. And that's the world that Paul is speaking into. Very, um, very philosophical, very big, big thinkers... And that's where Paul was at when he's talking to all these people. They're really smart. A lot of those people didn't even believe in the gods because they were above that. They had had achieved a certain sense of enlightenment as far as information and things like that go. So Paul, in the midst of that, in in the letter that he wrote to the Romans... He says this in Romans chapter 1, starting with verse 16. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greeks. And I don't think he was prioritizing that and importance or anything like that. He's just saying... At first it came through the Jews, and now it's spreading through the Greeks too. We were all Romans at this point, right? For the Jew first, it's, that's where it started, and now it's amongst the Greeks. But he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why do you think he had to tell the Romans, I am not ashamed Because some people were ashamed. Ashamed at the simplicity of the gospel. You've only got one God? 
We've experienced that in modern times from people who um, who have grown up in the in the Asian countries where they have other gods and, and like in Thailand and things like that. And so sometimes the Christians will just add that God to their big group of gods. It's, it's a shame to be so simple. Paul says, for I am not ashamed because a lot of people implied that he should be ashamed. Ashamed at something that's so simple, so simplistic that you believe that there is a God that is the one creator of all things. I'm not ashamed of it, for it's the power of God to salvation. Not the power of God to healing, and that's good. The power, that we have, the power to calm the seas. The power to raise the dead. The power to feed 5,000. All of the miraculous things that happen. That power is awesome. But Paul said... The reason I'm not ashamed is because of the power of God to save. That power. By the way, that word power right there is, if you, if you learn Greek the way I did through Greeks, it's dynamis, where we get our word dynamite from. It's that power, not just, not just the power of an idea, or, but the effectual power. What's dynamite used for? Blowing things up, moving mountains. I mean, it's powerful. It's effective power. Paul said, I'm not ashamed because it's the power of God to save. And I think that we, um, that we've gone a little far away from that, from from the evangelical church that had so much em- emphasis on salvation. I was telling Jeff this week that I was at a meeting in uh, North Houston, uh, a little one of the suburbs called Crosby, over on the, the northeast side of Houston. So I have to turn the right direction in order to get where it is. Um, on the northeast side of Houston, at a little town called Crosby, and I was in, in this church. And back, remember those plaques, the wooden plaques that they had up, that they changed the numbers out? Some places they would put what hymns you were going to sing. There'd be three sets of numbers there, and you knew that that was the hymns that you were going to sing. Um, they had, uh, the church I grew up in always had what the offering was last Sunday, um, and what the, uh, what the church attendance was that Sunday, we called it the nickel and nose board. Um, but on this plaque in the front of this church that, where this meeting was being held, and I'm sitting right where you're sitting right now, I looked over there, and it, said, and it had the number of baptisms that they had last year. And that number was, um, I, I think it was 299. And the... Uh, the attendance last week was 150. So their attendance last week, and the church wouldn't hold 200 people. So 150 probably was kind of their, what, their max and what they normally had. 
So where did the other 150 people go that they had baptized the year before? And just in my mind's eye, I had, a, I had this picture of a sheep dip. Anybody know what a sheep dip is? Where there's a ramp that goes up one side and you drive the sheep off in this pool of chemicals <laughs> that, that does all the things to the sheep. Keeps flies off of them, worms, all, all the different stuff. Uh, that's the picture I had of their baptistry. That they just ran people up through there and through the baptistry, swim to the other side. I've got a story about that sometime. Swimming to the other side, you need to ask me about that. Um, but we, we've come so far away from that where we don't, we don't see the emphasis on the gospel for salvation because we always talk about the power. And that's why the story of Kat Von D just resonated with me so much. When you see, and she had tattoos all over her. Essentially, her house was totally tattooed also. And she's moved to another place, raising her children up in this more conservative thing, covers up a lot of her tattoos when she goes places and speaks now. I think covers everything when she goes to church. And she says, you know, some people... They just dress like every day. We dress up when we go to church. And it's the idea that you, that you show to the world where you're at by the markings that you have on your body. She's, she's doing that now with just, I, I want to I honor God with what I wear. That's why Paul wasn't ashamed, because of the power of God to save people. And she will tell you, it was her salvation. She said, I never knew that I could be happy. Not because of things, good things that have happened for her, because she was wealthy. I mean, if you could be happy from just money, she had it all. She has makeup lines. She has just all kinds of streams of income. So that's Paul's disclaimer to the Romans. I'm not ashamed. He wrote to the Corinthian church too. And the reason he wrote to the Corinthian church was because they were having some problems. He went to Corinth and he started this church and it's doing great. In fact, it says that they didn't fall short in any gifting. They had people, they had the speaking in tongues. They, uh, I mean, that's where 1 Corinthians chapter 13 comes from. This same letter when he says, uh, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but if I don't have love, then I'm like just brass. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 16, he says, Oh, stinkaroo. What is, let me read it off here. I accidentally copied Romans again. So I'm going to read it right there. Sorry for my bald spot. Um, for the message of the cross is foolishness 
to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. There's a very similar verse. He said it's foolishness. That word right there, the Greek word for foolishness, is moria. No, Logan, not that moria. If you're a Lord of the Rings fan, that's, that's not that one. Foolishness, the word moria means moron. That's where our word moron comes from, moria, um, in, in the Greek. Um, that's what, why do you think he'd say, it's not fool, the, uh, it's foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us, it's the power of God. So he's saying, it's not foolishness. It's not foolishness. Why do you say I'm not ashamed? Because there were some people that were ashamed. There were some people think, that were saying maybe he ought to be ashamed too. But foolishness. He said, it's, I mean, basically that's what he's saying. It ain't, it's not foolishness. Because some people are saying you are a fool if you believe that. You're a moron. People have been calling him a moron. Literally, the word more, more, I, I can't remember what the ending, Greek ending is. Um, it's not moria. Um, that's verse 18 of 1 Corinthians. He said, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. For it's written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. The Greeks thought they were wise. And all of the and Corinth was a Greek stronghold in what was called Asia then, which we know as Turkey. They thought they were super wise. The Romans thought they were so wise that they adopted almost all of Greek thinking. He goes on in verse 20 and says, Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? The scribes were the people that wrote stuff down. Those were like lawyers and stuff. Where's the disputer of this age? That's probably a lawyer too, right? Has not God made foolish in... Foolish, the wisdom of the world, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. How many of you know that the, the conventional wisdom today is you can't find God that way? And I would agree that. It denies God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign. That's true. Everywhere that Jesus went, the leaders of the Jewish religion said, just show us a sign, show us a sign. The Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block, to the Greeks, foolishness, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, that's what it is. Because the foolish, 
foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. That's a whole sermon right there. And he's, then what about, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, one of my favorite verses. For you see your calling, you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise, according to the flesh, at least, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. So in the climate that we live in today, the powers that be, I believe, are going to be put in, in, in a proper place. To shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. Pastor Dwayne has a series of messages on the are-nots. That God's chosen the are-nots of this world to bring the gospel message. And I'm glad of that because I'm an are-not are not tall, obviously, are not wealthy, are not powerful in any political sense, are not just a a long list of things that I are not. And God's blessed me with the opportunity to spread to gospel. Chosen the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence, but to, to Him... You are in Christ who became for us wisdom from God and the righteousness and sanctification and redemption that is written. He who glorifies, let him glory in the Lord. That's the only glory that I have. Is that God has saved me. Now and then I get a glimpse of a power that looks more like dynamite than anything that I know. The power to bring a word specifically for a person, the power to hear God say words like, go down that hallway, turn left. But I can't boast even in hearing that all the time. I'm an r not. And for all that Kat Von D is, she's also an r not. That's one of the reasons why she was so unhappy for so long. And she sought out the beginning of this YouTube video that I'm referring you to, a a podcast where she's speaking to this young, blonde, conservative um, Christian. I believe it, uh, it may be a Baptist pastor's wife that's doing this podcast. And um, you find out that they had become friends kind of coincidentally And they were afraid to seek each other out after the baptism thing. Because they didn't want to take advantage of each other's friendship. And think that the only reason I'm I'm wanting to use some notoriety that you have. And they're afraid to tell each other. But God brought them together for a very impactful expression of a testimony of the, the 
difference that the gospel made in one person's life. And it's not to pump her up or anything or to, to bring any kind of notoriety to her, just to demonstrate the power of it. Because there's no reason that she needed God other than she needed God. She needed to know what, and, and she, she, it's not this vague God stuff. The power of Jesus to save her is what she talks about. I encourage you in it because the, in a way, in a way, her message has an impact like Paul's. She's just a Christian person. That's all Paul was. Paul talked about, I'm the worst sinner there ever was. But look what God's done. And that's kind of what she does. Kat Von D. Look it up. And why do I say that? Because there's people that you know. There's people in the world that you live in. And I'm talking about your everyday circle. You're, you're the solar system of the relationships that you had. Day in, day out. There's people like her that are lost. The word salvation is talking about saving a person from drowning, from a car wreck. or I mean, it's that kind of thing. Being pulled out of a situation that could cause death. That's what that salvation looks like. That's what the picture of that word is. There's people in your life that needed it as much as Kat Von D needed it at that time. I think that one of the things that motivated her was that she had a child. And when she sees this little person, says, I've got to do something better. We need to look at the people around us and say, we need to do something better than how we're doing it right now. Amen. As the worship team comes, I want to, we're going to sing one more song. I wish there was a way to do that that was more flattering. But We're going to worship God and recognize who He is and... And the power of God for salvation right now. Are you ready? Let's. And if you need prayer or anything, I will be right here with my microphone turned off. just uh, close our eyes and Holy Spirit we um, we ask that you would take the word today and that you would you would grow it in the soil of our hearts we ask that you would have your way in this church and teach us what you want us to learn that you would reveal more and more what the power of your salvation actually is that it's 
there is salvation and it can feel like immediately transformative when we find it but that it also is a, a sanctifying like continual saving you just save us over and over and over again if we will trust in you and Holy Spirit I just want to ask right now that you would um, that you would speak into the church in this moment We want to provide an opportunity even just for you to speak prophetically through um, those that are in this room, just like Steve said, that you do speak words to us. You do bring timely words that no one else could know are important. So Holy Spirit, would you, um, would you impress those words on our hearts even as we um, as we worship in church I would just say that um, we're gonna we're gonna worship through this song but um, I do want us to have ears to hear this morning and if you have a word that you think is for um, this body would you please come to Steve and and run that word by him so that so that he can uh, guide us through that after this song. And if you have a specific word for someone in this church, I ask that even as we worship, you would go bravely and boldly to that person, that you would share that word because we want to be that kind of church where I'm not the one leading this thing. Steve's not the one leading this thing. It's the Holy Spirit.
this together I will build Oh 
Firstborn among many brethren. That Jesus was just, that scripture says we are just the start. That in, in the first century, they're just the start. We are the ones that keep on running that race. And, it, and it's not some vague thing. It's about you impacting the world that, you're, that you walk in every single day. And so my prayer for us is, Father, just... As you've blessed us. And you have blessed us with the power that is salvation. You've blessed us with that for a reason. To impact the world around us. And let's not leave it to, to these spectacular testimonies like Kat Von D. Lord, your purpose is for us to have... to. To proclaim the power of Jesus in our lives from just a normal, everyday life. That's your purpose for us. That the spectacular difference is not the point. 
the difference is from being lost to being saved. And we all have that testimony. May we share it daily, not in words, but in deed, the actions that we have. That you would be glorified by our everyday lives. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. Have an awesome day.